Hi, this is Natalie Goldberg, and welcome to Education from an Equal Bold. So for episode three today, we're going to be talking about some stuff that I've always been super interested in, but never really felt comfortable or ready to cover on my podcast until now, especially because a lot of this stuff is seen as super controversial. So I'm waiting till this season where we're talking about all these controversial issues to actually talk about this. And I have my friend Tracy on today. So Tracy, if you want to introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Tracy. I'm just a recent graduate, going to be classmates with Natalie in the fall. So super excited for that. But uh, I'm just a recent graduate from New Jersey. And Tracy and I met at this summer program called YYGS, which is amazing if any of you listening want to look into it. But I asked her to be on this podcast because she gave this really amazing speech at YYGS about virginity and all of the myths and stigma surrounding that. So if you want to like just briefly touch on what you talked about in that, and then we can get into the rest of the episode, you totally can. Thank you so much. Uh, I mostly wanted to talk about at the camp how rigidity was kind of a social construct. It's not biologically real. It was actually something that was, it was a concept that was made up back in like medieval times and whatnot to kind of ensure that women who became pregnant had the children of like their husbands. And that was the only way to ensure it because they didn't have any contraceptives or anything like that. And then I went on to talk about just how the concept of virginity and something that is lost and how it's really important to girls today who are you know stepping into that stage of their life and how a lot of stigmas and anxiety surrounding it doesn't have to be there and i mostly just try to break down the pre-existing stigmas and etc yeah and it was such an amazing speech like I'm so glad that I got to hear it. But today we're talking about some similar stuff, but it's also sort of different. We're mainly going to be talking about slut shaming. And also we're going to be talking about the porn industry and how slut shaming relates to that, as well as some of the harmful aspects of the porn industry and some solutions about how you can change your porn habits or the porn habits of those around you to try to be more ethical and to support different marginalized groups. So just to start off, I want to define slut shaming in case anybody listening doesn't really know what it is. And the dictionary definition is to stigmatize someone for engaging in a behavior judged to be promiscuous or sexually provocative. I mean, that's just kind of like the dictionary definition, but the way that I would probably define it is shaming somebody for like having sexual behaviors or enjoying sex and oftentimes it is a woman or a female presenting person who is often slut shamed but like I'm sure it can happen to men I've just never anecdotally experienced that yeah absolutely and I I also wanted to talk a little bit more about the flip side of that because I personally haven't had any experience in slut shaming largely because I live in a really progressive community and my friends are all progressive so there's actually this weird like flip side to that where everyone is like oh females should embrace their sexuality and then that that also means that it's no longer a choice of how much we indulge in our own sexuality it turns into this prude shaming thing where I and all of my relationships and um, some of my friends who were more conservative about their own sexuality and more you know, they take their time and they're just not ready for it. They are shamed and pressured for, you know, just not wanting to indulge in it as much as perhaps other girls who are super, like, you know, sexual. And those are both okay, but for some reason, you know, female sexuality does not belong to women at the end of the day. And that's when you get these examples of slut shaming and prude shaming and just 
all of that. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to think about like both sides of the equation because I've definitely seen both sides of that. I've seen I've seen and experienced both sides of that because I also live in a super progressive area, but I've heard people gossiping both about girls who are super sexually active and known to have that reputation and speaking poorly about them. And I've also heard it the other way, like people speaking poorly about girls who refuse to engage in those kind of behaviors. And I think that what you said is really important because it's like, it should be up to the individual person. Like who cares if they're super sexually like outgoing or if they're super reserved, like at the end of the day, like that needs to be up to the individual person, not to the people like judging them. Exactly. So touching on the woman's sexuality, whether or not they belong to women, I think that's kind of the critical issue uh, about feminism, about just women feeling comfortable in their own bodies. It, to me, it seems as though women have historically been sexual objects, in whether it's in media or whether it's just in the way that we speak about virginity being a V-card that is lost by women, I think, and taken by men, of course. It builds this rhetoric that women are objects of sexuality that shouldn't or can't enjoy their own sexuality or on the flip side they don't enjoy enough of it 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 just seems as though a woman's sexuality doesn't belong to them it's not their choice how much they want to indulge in it but rather the people around them and i think that's that's really the core issue of how women's sexuality is talked about in our you know just society at large Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the dichotomy between like women being viewed by men as sexual objects, but also them being shamed for their sexuality when they take it into their own hands. And even when they take it into their own hands, like it's still being like, I don't, I don't know the word, like it's being like ruined kind of by men. And like the first thing that I thought of was this thing that I've been seeing on Twitter recently about like, Men just in general being angry about women making OnlyFans because women are finally profiting off of their sexuality rather than men just being allowed to consume it freely. And so that's something that I thought was really interesting because I also saw men like doxing these women on OnlyFans and like sending the videos to like their parents and stuff like that. And like overall just making women feel bad for choosing to make that content and like make money from that. And so I thought that that was like a really interesting example of slut shaming just in like the bigger sense and in the more like worldly sense. And also this makes me think of this quote by Deja Fox. I couldn't actually find the quote. Um, I mean, I'll try to find a link to the article that she says it in, but basically she's talking about how any woman growing up in this time is going to have some sexually explicit photos and the idea of them being leaked by like former partners or just if they get hacked or something like that fear hanging over women's heads like the fear of being shamed for that is so real and so terrifying and I think that that's just another example of like how ingrained slut shaming is within like our culture. Yeah, exactly. I remember I was in like elementary school when an officer came into our school and he talked about how internet safety was. And this was during computer class. And we were talking about internet safety, which is all really great until they would turn to the girls in the class and say, don't take nudes because they will get leaked. And I was just wondering, like, why, why aren't you telling like, you know, 
the boys not to leak our nudes. I think what I do with my own body and whether or not I share the media of my own body to someone who is important to me or was important to me at the time, that's my choice. The thing that is truly despicable is leaking something that I gave to you and you only because you hold some sort of resentment or you believe that like this media actually belongs to you and you have the free reign to share it. Yeah, that's so that's such an interesting point. Like the entitlement is so real. Like when like somebody chooses to leak someone else's nudes, they're acting as if like those images and like that person's body is like their property. I never even remembered like that computer safety thing because I had that too, but I never even thought about how like messed up it was that they only addressed like the girls and said, don't take nudes and didn't address like the idea of not leaking them. Wow. That's crazy. It really does remind me of how like rape and sexual assault victims are actually put at blame when they are clearly the victims think questions like what was she wearing or were you drunk that night things like that in all of these sexual assault cases it's truly despicable to me to think that society apparently believes that girls invite these things to happen to them yeah and yeah wow yeah no that's so true it's just like like everything like even from that young of an age it's like like in in the computer class like we were told we were told not to take nudes and like now like when we're older, we're like, don't go out in the short skirt, like, don't do this, like, even, like, I know it's not, like, a hot take or anything, but it's just so, I feel like it's just so important to realize, like, how ingrained all of that is, like, just slut-shaming in general, and I think something else that's really important to consider with this whole, like, narrative of slut-shaming is that in public, men are often shaming women for their sexuality, but in private, they're consuming materials that profit off of it. And I think that, I mean, that brings us to just discussing the pornography industry in general and how there are so many misogynistic and racist tendencies within that. And related to this, the first thing that I really wanted to talk about is Mia Khalifa, who is an incredibly well-known person in the porn industry and who has also been making headlines recently and also been um, gaining a lot of traction specifically on TikTok um, because she's been talking about her own experience in the porn industry. Um, And just in case you don't know a lot about Mia Khalifa, she is famous mainly for her one scene that she did wearing a hijab where she subsequently received death threats from ISIS after that video was posted. Um, And even though she was only doing porn for about like three months, she only made $12,000. But the companies that used her videos still are profiting off of those videos that she made even though she has begged them to take it down. So the fact that Mia Khalifa was only paid $12,000 for her career in the porn industry and the fact that Bang Bros and other companies continue to make millions of dollars off of her videos shows how misogynistic the porn industry is. However, on the flip side, Carter Cruz, who's another adult film star, um, has stated that Mia Khalifa's public outrage against the porn companies further stigmatizes sex work and implies that sex work can't exist in a consensual and rewarding manner because Mia Khalifa talks about how she was manipulated into staying and 
Other actors have mentioned how they were abused on camera and behind the scenes. So it's a really complicated issue because on one hand, I think it's completely necessary to destigmatize porn and sex work in general. So people like Carter Cruz and other adult film actors who participate in the porn industry consensually can do so. But I also think it's really important to recognize Mia Khalifa's perspective because there is a lot of racism and misogyny ingrained within the adult film industry. So we need to make it safer for those like Mia who don't want to continue to be trapped in their contracts or trapped in an industry that's abusing them constantly. Right. I think it's completely, you know, valid to say that non-consensual or straight up rape is not okay and that it shouldn't exist in the porn industry. But it's at the same time, that's not the entire industry. And consent is consensual actors and consensual workers definitely exist and they shouldn't be stigmatized and lumped together with people who were manipulated into it because it's not it's not it's not one scene everyone is different in that industry no i completely agree i think the rise of OnlyFans is actually really positive because it allows sex workers to have their own um, platforms and i think that's something that is really detrimental within the porn industry in general are those giant like platforms and companies like Bang Bros or like Pornhub and like that kind of stuff where those huge companies are able to take advantage of the actors whereas with OnlyFans they're allowed to take control of their own bodies and their own like sexual actions right right and that's just that's you're absolutely right that that is it's so important that actors are no longer coerced into doing things that they aren't comfortable with or things that are blatantly misogynistic and you know problematic honestly so and that they can do their own thing that they are comfortable with and that sends a different kind of message to the youth that are on these porn sites all the time exactly like people should be portraying like consensual kind of like sex work like it should be very clear that people are not being coerced. Like, I don't understand why people would watch those kind of videos where it's so obvious that, like, the actors are in pain or, like, they're being forced to perform acts that they're not comfortable with, which is something that a ton of adult film actors have mentioned over the years in various articles. Like, I just feel like that's such a huge problem. So one thing that's really uh, weird to think about is that the average age of exposure to porn is actually 9 to 11 years old. That's way before any of us had proper sex ed. That's way before anyone, any of us, well, most of us learned about what consent is, what safety and all of that, like safe sex is. And that's the age that most children are being exposed to the porn industry. And it's so undeniable that porn really encourages a lot of slut shaming and stereotypes that are really dangerous to women. A lot of times women are portrayed as submissive and they are literally being inflicted pain upon. I never see any use of, you know, safety words in porn and I I never see any use of literally like affirmative consent and I think that's so dangerous for the very very impress- impressionable youth that are viewing the porn. No, completely. Like the fact that they're like kids are that young when they're first exposed to it is horrible because, like you said, like they have no knowledge of consent or anything, and that's the only view that they have of sex. And then, even like the sex ed that comes after is horrible. Like, I mean, I'm sure like that's what this like podcast is literally all about. So, 
it's just baffling to me that like kids are exposed to that and then they have nothing correcting that after like nobody talking about consent and I mean it makes sense with the way that our world is with like the prevalence of sexual assault and rape like the unfortunate prevalence it's just I mean it makes sense but it's just horrible right I personally I never learned about consent in sex ed I learned about abstinence I they briefly touched on contraceptives, but the fact that in a health class about sexual education and sex and preparing teenagers to have sex, there is no talk of consent. There's no talk of what counts as consent. It's, they say, okay, if you consent, it's safe sex, but they don't know, they don't talk about what cons- what is actually consent, the very, the facets of it. A lot of people, in the way that porn is portrayed, if you don't say no, that's apparently consent. And I think that's really, really messed up because that's not how consent works. Uh, Affirmative consent means that only yes means yes. If you don't say anything, that does not necessarily give you consent. A lot of people are uncomfortable with saying no because they are scared. And that's something that is not taught in sex ed. And it is something that is absolutely not portrayed in pornography. And those are the two main ways in which teenagers and children learn about sex. And the fact that underprepares everyone for how the reality is and it's incredibly unsafe is the core of it all yeah it's that it's just like insane like and so much of porn is showing like women literally just like not consenting to the sex that they're having and that's like I mean that's like a genre and it's difficult to talk about because like I don't know I don't even know how much I want to get into this but there's the idea of like kinks versus like actual abuse being portrayed on screen. And like you were talking about with like safe words and still affirmative consent, there's a way to portray it that's still appropriate and still like positive and healthy. And that's not what the porn industry is doing. I just, I know that that might be what some people argue against this idea of how the porn industry is negative. But I just think even when a specific adult film is portraying like a kink related idea it still needs to be consensual and that needs to be clear I think that's the main issue that I see with all of that kind of stuff right exactly I think BDSM and all of the things like whatever your role play fantasy is if it's that's all valid as long as it's safe and consensual and yet we don't see the the consent we don't see the safety word usage we don't even see, because we don't see the communication between the actors we don't see the you know if there i'm not saying you need a contract but if there was discussion beforehand about what is okay and what is not okay then none of that is in the porn industry and it leads to people believing that that's just how it's done that you don't need to ask your partner if, what they're comfortable with before you do something that is edging on you know not so safe territory mm-hmm. it takes like the humanity out of it in a way like it objectifies it objectifies the women obviously but I just think that not having that communication be clear just makes it it just I don't know I think it just feels like dehumanizing in a way to like the women being portrayed on screen exactly I just it's very it's it's just very triggering sometimes to know that there are a lot of women out there who are in toxic relationships where they they don't know that they're in toxic relationships because they don't know that 
they have the right to say no to things that they aren't comfortable with. You can say yes to certain sexual acts and then say no to other things. And that's not something that is portrayed in the pornography industry. On top of that, there's also, you know, the frankly disgusting titles of, you know, slut being railed, quote unquote. And it's just. Yeah, yeah, it's just awful. Like the misogyny is so clear. And like, it's not even just misogyny. Like there's also so much racism that we haven't even like touched on yet. Like if you think about like some of the like highest search categories, a lot of them are like racially specific categories. Like there's like ebony for like the black women category. There's like the Asian category. Like there's all of these stereotyped and fetishized like racial porn right it's i mean there's also i definitely want to just like as a side note like black men are so sexualized and objectified yeah so it's just it's not only women although we are focusing more on the woman's side of things it's just the the blatant racism and stereotypes and honestly some it's it portrays some sort of like power play or dominance like show of power historical tropes like you know um a white man and a black woman and the white man is cheating on his wife with a black woman or you know the asian schoolgirl. i had read on this article that almost all asian porn actresses have to prepare some sort of tiny schoolgirl uniform because they will absolutely be asked to do that time and time again during their careers no matter what they want for themselves yeah there's also just like even like obviously like that stereotyping and everything is so awful but like beyond that there's like porn that's actively racist like where people are using like slurs against their like fictional like partner I guess or like their actor in the scene and right, it's right, just like yeah. that kind of stuff is so prevalent and normalized. And like you were, ta- I want to touch on what you were talking about earlier with like the stereotypical portrayals. Like you said, like there's always like the white man and the black woman. And I want to talk about like the issue of black men being hypersexualized because it's always like giant black man, like rails, like tiny white bitch or something like horrible mm-hmm. like that. That just reinforces stereotypes and like. It's awful, but it's also dangerous because that's reinforcing like the stereotypes of black men being violent. And those are the kind of stereotypes and like preconceived notions that are like getting people killed. And it's just, it's so dangerous and so disgusting. Just to expand on the stereotypes that are rather dangerous to people of color and black and indigenous people, there's a lot of videos about where where the where like the set or like the plot is about an a Hispanic or Latinx person, like with a military, per- like it's a blatant show of. There's there's plots where it's literally just like an immigrant cr- cross an illegal immigrant crossing the border, and then they are forced to have sex with a border patrol officer. It's disgusting that such that is so like this kind up. of plot. I've never exists. even heard of that. That is literally so fucked up. I've seen it. It's disgusting. Oh I've heard God. people talk about it. Like I've heard men uh that I know laugh about it and joke about it and I it's very disturbing. That is so disturbing. Oh my God. I never I never even knew that that existed. Like oh my God, that is so horrible. And I I just want to make it very clear that I'm not intending this podcast to like shame anybody for their like sexual interests I know that like people are very diverse in that way and that's totally okay I just think there's a line 
between like a sexual preference and like active discrimination through pornography and I I mean I think that that line is is blurred sometimes but I think for the majority of the time it's very clear when something is like too fucked up like that idea of the whole like latinx person like being like forced to have sex with the border patrol person like I can't even fathom that right and like if you have like a preference for like a a member with a a member of a certain race or someone who has certain features like sure whatever but like that sort of scenario is deeply concerning and it really plays into the sort of like power structure that is inherent in our society and it's being reinforced by videos and plots and scenes like this in pornography Mm -hmm. and even outside of the scenes there's also issues with racism in the porn industry like black actresses are paid three-fourths of what white adult film actresses are making which I mean obviously the wage gap is real but I never really considered how it impacted adult film actors and like sex workers so I thought that that was interesting as well yeah because for one a lot of BIPOC actresses um, and actors, they have less oppor- job opportunities because, and or or more specific opportunities. They, there's there's specific things that p- the porn industry wants them to do, specific roles that they want them to play. And if you don't want to play those roles, if you are uncomfortable with that, then you lose out on a lot of the opportunities that is open to you. A lot of white actresses or white actors don't have that restriction. Yeah, that's that's really important to point out. Like, yeah, like you talked about earlier, like if like an Asian person doesn't want to put on that tiny little schoolgirl outfit, like they're not going to be hired by the producers and like that's not okay. Um, I mean, similarly, there's also discrimination in the porn industry against LGBTQ people, especially with the prevalence of lesbian porn, because it's almost always geared towards a male audience And I mean, that's something that's been talked about a lot. So I don't think we're going to spend that much time on it. But I just think it's important to note how LGBTQ people are discriminated against. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of just hypersexualization of people of the queer community. And it's it's blatant in porn, but it's everywhere in media as well. And the way that a lot of people think about pride parades as you know oh naked people dancing in the streets like that's not that's not what the queer community is that's not how things work and the fact that the porn industry really wants to just make profit off of lesbian porn especially that is you know made for men instead of maybe lesbian woman (laughs) that's just yeah i mean and like all porn all porn is geared towards men like I mean, all like mainstream porn is geared towards men. And like, that's an issue too, because it plays into the idea of women not being allowed to be sexual. Like it plays into our cultural slut shaming because all porn is geared towards men. Exactly. So I don't want this podcast to make it seem like we're against porn and the idea of that, but I just think it's really important to know what you're consuming and know that the people that are acting in the the films are consenting to be there and want to be there and are being paid and are not being abused behind the scenes. So there are some options. Obviously, we talked about OnlyFans as an option because the creators of OnlyFans are choosing to be there and they're making the content themselves. And just in general, porn that is paid for or porn from an individual creator is always more ethical than porn on free sites like Pornhub. 
Um, but there's also certain free sites that do use ethical porn, if you want to talk about Balesa. Right. So uh, I came across Balesa when I was researching for my um, for my speech at Yale, actually. And it is a porn company that is run by women. And a lot of the videos there are geared towards women. It is safe. It is it almost always portrays safe um, and non-stereotypical and non-violent videos. And it never has any of the you know, name calling and slurs in the titles like slut or whore or any of that, any of those, they are neatly categorized into preferences so that you never have to be uncomfortable with just the images you see. If you're not comfortable with, you're not going to be made uncomfortable by just the previews or the titles. And it is consensual. And it is, again, it is vetted. All of the videos there are vetted by uh, the company themselves, and it is all made sure that it is ethical and it is, it is paid for, and the actresses and actors are safe in the process. And it's it's just it's a great company, and it's a great website. A lot of it is free. And there are categories. Like there are different categories. Like preferences are completely fine, but you want them to still be ethical, and you want the people who are making the content to want to be there. Like, I think that that's the key in terms of ethical porn is like, nobody should be coerced into doing it. Nobody should be doing a scene that they don't feel comfortable with. And like paid porn, like OnlyFans and places like Balesa offer that. Like it offers a place for people to only be doing what they're comfortable with. And also it's a women run company, which is always amazing. Exactly. I love that it's geared towards women because they understand that, you know, females also have need. And it's often disturbing to see the videos that are, you know, on Pornhub or the other sites. And it's really great that there's just this place where you can go and feel safe in your own sexuality. Yeah, it's so important for people, especially younger women who are like developing their sexuality, because seeing those kind of images on Pornhub and other sites like that is so damaging because it often makes you feel like you need to fit a certain stereotype of women either being like hypersexual and like used and objectified by men like in those videos or that you need to be like very like what's the word like just very like reserved about your sexuality because none of that is geared towards you but with companies like Balesa it's it's showing women that they can define their own sexual identity and they don't have to fit into a box created by men. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Tracy. That was an amazing interview. Like, thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and anything. Like, is there anything else that you want to say before we go? Well, uh, yeah, I I guess I just want to make sure that everyone knows that this isn't the all there is to talk about. There's so much more with the nuances of female sexuality, with the way that our psychology has a lot of our psychologies has been just conditioned to thrive off male attention. There's feminism, there's the wage gap. There's so many things that we haven't touched on in this podcast. And I want you guys to really think about um, doing your own research and finding things for yourself and really thinking about how the way that you've consumed porn or the way that you think about women and women's sexuality has affected the people around you and yourself. Yes, that's so important. Like, obviously, like, what we're saying here isn't the be-all and end-all, even of talking about ethical porn. Like, we just wanted to share our opinions, and I wanted to share, like, the research that we have um, gotten together. Um, But as always, like, definitely do your own research and go look into all of the topics that Tracy said, because those are all so important. 
Thank you so much for tuning into the third episode of Education from an Equal Bold, Season 3. The next episode will be released on Saturday, September 12th, two weeks from now. For a preview of what we will be discussing, please visit www.educationfromanequal.com and be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Education from an Equal Podcast. See you next time on Education from an Equal. 